but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> the, uh, uh, yeah, so flight, flight, pre-flight checks, right? Of course, we all do them. Um, um, almost everybody does them very seriously with a lot of, um, you know, kind of inspection, making sure your airplane's not about to fall apart or nothing's happened to it since the last time you looked at it or, or Oh, whatever. I thought you were talking about a payment, a pre-flight check, to, yeah. to, to, to how you get into this to begin with. Well, no, uh, no, that comes later, maybe. We'll gotcha. see. Right now I'm talking about the pre-flight walk-around inspection, all right? Yeah. And, my, and my question is airliners. So, uh, as a lot of people know, I fly the airlines a lot, and it's not at all uncommon to to see one of the flight deck crew. I presume that usually it's the first the first officer, but a flight deck crew member. Um, you know, when you're boarding and you're standing on the in the on the jetway waiting your turn to get onto the airplane, and you see one of these flight crew flight deck crew members coming up the the, the stairs from the ramp, um, usually he may have a flashlight in his hand or he, or her hand. It's usually he, but sometimes it's a she. Um, a flashlight in their hand, and sometimes they're wearing an orange vest, um, and it appears that they've just completed doing their pre-flight walk around of the airliner. And my question is. What do they really look at? It's not like you know when I'm fly- when I'm inspecting my my Cessnas. I mean, I can crawl around. I can crawl up on top of the wing. I can look inside the gas tanks. I can inspect as many of the uh, you know control surface fasteners as possible. I, I and I just can't even begin to imagine on a jetliner you can do anything like that. What do they look at? What are they inspecting? Do you know? Well, Why do I feel like David knows? I feel like David knows what this is. What do you What do you think, David? <laughs> well, the uh, first officer gets to do the walk around before every segment. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the captain usually does a, a an even more thorough walk around when the captain takes over from the last crew. Okay. Well, that's a good. That sounds right. But what do they look at? What What can they? What are they able to inspect? Well, they're able to inspect usually the flaps and the flap tracks and the ailerons and their hinges and uh, looking for leaks, low tires, low struts, uh, taking a look in the engine inlet and exhaust to make sure there's no FOD in there already, uh, no wildlife uh, moved in while they were boarding. Uh, the, uh Walk around or get him back by where the uh, APU exhaust, if the uh, aircraft has one, uh, and that's pretty common on airliners. Uh, looks at the tires, the struts, looks for leaks in the brakes. Uh, uh, recognition lights will be on, and he'll look and make sure that he's got the green light where the green light's supposed to be and the red light where the red light's supposed to be. And mm-hmm. There's a very easy mnemonic for that. Uh, yeah. re- red is not right. Red is on the left. Oh, okay. Red is not right. Uh, never heard that one before. Uh, f- coming from boating, there I have a couple of mnemonics too. But uh, Yeah, okay. Well, all right, David. This is kind of convincing, actually. I didn't expect it to be this convincing uh, you know an answer about about an airliner pre-flight I, I will go back though to your comment about you know checking the flaps and I, I can't even imagine that they can see that that well I you know for example we routinely I'm, I know I do I'm pretty sure Jeb you do lower the flaps in order to do the inspection that they don't lower the flaps in order to do the inspection on a jetliner do they not typically unless they're already out okay so, anyways, all right, Jeb, what are you, your thoughts on this? If they retracted together, they're probably working in unison. <laughs> but okay. uh, if when, once they hope. deploy, the, the, the flight attendants will usually take a look out the window. You may not even notice it because it's a casual thing. But mm-hmm. if flaps are out on both sides in an equal amount, then uh, that's the end of it. She won't ring the the flight deck, and if they're not out or they're not uh out equally uh she's going to pick up that uh that cockpit uh intercom phone up there by the flight attendant station and push the button and say captain captain oh we're asymmetrical yeah i was wondering well that's because my left leg's shorter than my right (laughs) um Jeb, you're the airline transport pilot here. What, what What's your thought on this whole subject? Um, well, one, it would be um, probably uh, – I would not want to defend at the hearing. Uh, 
not having done a walk around of a jet transport. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's generally going to be the FO. Um, you, you two guys know my buddy David, the airline pilot. He mm-hmm. had been flying left seat for the American Eagle line now Envoy for, I don't know, pick a number, 25 years. He's got more hours than, than I, I can count. He can count. Uh, he just decided to move from the regional to big American mm-hmm. and has been flying the line lately. Sent me a snap or a selfie uh, on the ramp uh, in sitting in front of the, standing in front of the engine of an A321. Uh, I don't know, LaGuardia, Kennedy, whatever. And there's snow all over the place and, <laughs> and his nose is red and his eyes are, are you know, runny. I'm like, <laughs> You sure you're not ready to retire? You know. Um, so, but because he went up to the bigs as a first officer, he's now, now a first officer. Uh, he's got type rating and everything, but he's still an FO. Uh, he probably after years as a captain. After years as a captain on RJs and, and turboprops uh, in the Northeast Corridor, by the way. Mm, yeah. Um, so um, he's loving life. You know, he's like, you know, uh, cross. I think it was LGA to San Diego overnight and then fly it back the next day and and he wasn't complaining um uh-huh. but then again I'm you know he's the day before this he was snow blowing his driveway and I was mowing my lawn so it's it's a lifestyle thing uh, so, for him. so you're saying that we're not the only ones you torment on this whole subject I had to work that in yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um Dave's generally correct. I mean, they're looking for leaks. You know, if if you see the FO climbing up the stairs of the jetway as you're as you're boarding the airplane, and his arms are covered with hydraulic fluid, think about getting on yeah. the airplane. Okay. That would be a bad thing. Yeah, but. Um. Yeah, no one's going to accept an airplane from the previous crew or from maintenance uh, at an airliner without at least you know walking through some things. And uh, leaks are primarily what they're looking for: Un- unreported damage, unseen damage. Um, it's rare to see them. Um, crawl up on a ladder and look over a wing or peer into an engine or something like that. Um, but they certainly can do it if they want to. The flip side, though, here is um, commercial operators, as a rule, are not allowed by or pilots up for commercial operators, as a rule, are not allowed by the FARs to do things that are common in Part 91. Yeah. Uh, during during pre-flight and, and during uh, that's interesting. Uh, Give me an example or two. Um, check tire pressure. Okay. Maybe, probably Ooh. check engine oil. They can well, look. They can't touch. Yeah, yeah. They can't. They certainly can't replenish anything. Well, okay. Yeah, but replenish. I would. Yeah. Okay. But because that would be a task for a for a mechanic. Even sort. then, their union probably doesn't want them checking oh, well, tire there's pressure. A there's know. a union thing. Too, well, right? I don't know about there's a union thing or not. I, I, if I was an airline pilot and I was being employed to fly the airplane, I'm not employed to do maintenance. Let us well, let a, let us uh, uh, experienced technician check the no, tire pressure. No, that's exactly right. It's not a it's not a yeah. workload laziness yeah, it, thing. Yeah. It's a expertise thing. Well, uh, it, 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 it's both. It's, it's both. It, okay. Well, it's it's three things. Yeah. It's again, there's there's depending yeah. on the operation and depending on the FAR uh, and depending on uh, exemptions, etc. Uh, they can't really do anything except you know shine a flashlight on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not supposed to anyway. And company probably doesn't want the pilots futzing with mechanical stuff and certainly i don't <laughs> and certainly the pilots don't want to be futzing with mechanical mm-hmm. stuff so there's all all three of these things um that, that are in the play here um but yeah i mean yeah you, you, i don't care who just flew your airplane uh you need to walk around and take a look at stuff yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> um, I mean I'm, yeah, that's I'm, that's true for us uh flying 91 and that's true for 121 and everything else yeah, no, that's I, much more compelling than I expected it to be. Um, David makes a very, uh, you know, um, expressed a very uh, compelling list of things. I, there are many more things than it occurred to me that they could were able to even look at. So, okay, I guess I'm kind of convinced. Um, 
you know, it's, you know, it's not just a tradition or, or a, you know, tradition. Um, well, it's, it's, it's the tradition real. is the FO does it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, and I, I had a little help on that, Jack. Uh, uh, three years as uh, uh, the regional airline editor for Air Transport World, uh, Air Transport World magazine, there were a number of trips uh, where I was visiting a carrier, and I'm going to fly jump seat, and got invited to do the walk around with the first officer. Mm-hmm. And uh, the really good ones would give me a narrative along the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, since you probably do this too when you go flying, but just in case you don't, and you know, one of the things that they uh, I saw them most often reach out and touch were uh, gear doors. Uh-huh. And yeah, they'd walk around, take a look at the gear. They're looking for leaks of brake fluid. They're looking for leaks from the strut. They're making sure the strut's in the right place. Then they reach down there and wiggle the gear door to make sure that yeah. it's firmly attached, that the hinges aren't loose or wobbly, that the uh, uh, connecting rod that's going to fold it up when the wheel goes up is uh, is secure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not a big involved thing. It's another 20 seconds of the walk around on each yeah. week. So. Yeah. You'll see fighter pilots wiggle underwing stores um, as they uh-huh. do their walk around. This is uh-huh. you know an airplane that's just come from the from the hangar or from the flight deck or from the hangar deck, and they'll walk around it and they'll wiggle everything. I try to do that also. I mean, I I've got tip tanks and you know let's wiggle these and see if you know if they're going to fall off right now. Sure. Uh, and and you know some other things you might want to gently wiggle you know an antenna every now and then just to make sure it's not flying around. Uh, but um, yeah. You know, make sure those uh, AOA sensors are moving. You, know, you can't reach them, probably. But. Yeah. Actually, sometimes an AOA sensor is accessible from the end of the jetway. I see them all that's, the time. That's also true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, Do you ever pay attention to the data plate when you walk on? I... See, when I when I see it, I don't always I don't look for it, um, yeah. but I, I occasionally will uh, will just kind of I'm curious what specific model I'm uh-huh. about to get on, and yeah. uh, um, but I I don't and sometimes I look for it and I can't find it like it's not right there someplace. Yeah. Where, where, the data plate would be outside or inside? I'm it's not even inside. sure now. It's outside. <laughs> Wait, which? Well, there's 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 I've certainly seen him on the inside. Let's put it that way on a right. bulkhead. Wow. Would would an outside data plate on an airliner be up near the passenger door, or no? It, it would be like under the tail, or, like it is with our airplanes, or yeah. um, maybe even. Um, yeah, you know, I, it, it depends. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. Well, next time they let me board from the ramp, which they do occasionally. Sometimes these days, more and more, you see more and more airliners now that are boarding front and back simultaneously, um, or, or and I guess even more commonly, um, un, uh, deboarding. What deboarding? Deplaning. 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 Um, getting off the airplane front and back simultaneously. Um, so, anyways, all right. Well, thank you. That's good. I'm. That's that's much more. I would thought this was kind of goofing around. That's pretty educational. I appreciate that. That's that's uh, that's interesting. I fly on not this Friday, next Friday. So I'll I'll look for the uh, the FO and see if he's got oil, if he's got uh, hydraulic fluid all over him. I'll, I'll take that as a I'll add that to my pre-flight <laughs> yeah, check, yeah, my pre-flight yeah. checklist. Things right? to worry about when you're on a passenger. <laughs> yeah, because my list isn't big enough already. All right. Hey, welcome, folks, to uh, Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, coming to you from uh, snowy but now rainy and about to be cold uh, by the banks of the Cochico River in Dover, New Hampshire. And uh, <laughs> what? Who is, is, is that Burnside? That didn't mute. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm here in our virtual hangar talking to my two good friends about uh, uh, airplanes in general, and I don't know what in specific, but uh, time will tell. Uh, one of those voices out there is from uh, the air capital of the world, uh, Wichita, Kansas. That's Dave Higdon. Good morning, David. What are you up to? Uh, about five foot six and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's uh, hot. Really? Okay. I guess maybe we're all a little shorter these days than we used to be. I'm I'm definitely shrunken from a few years ago because uh, uh, a couple of my doctors measure my height twice a year, and they keep a record of it. Hate Uh, it when that happens. But none of them started calling me Pee Wee yet, which which is good. 
Okay. And uh, that other voice out there uh, from uh, somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, is uh, Jeb Burnside. Good morning, Jeb. I'm fine. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. And it's snow recently? No, it hasn't. I was just there's so much to work with there in Dave's last statement. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna leave See. that for the masses to determine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Listen Safe, safety over humor. There yeah. you go. There you go. Listener yeah. listener comments. Uh what's going on? Anybody having fun? Uh, it's, we like yeah. talk. It's like usually it goes two plus weeks between episodes, but for scheduling reasons, we recorded not even a week, uh, six days ago we recorded. So uh, it's like, pfft, I don't need to talk to you guys. I talked to you just the other day. What yeah, I've already, I've already caught up with y'all. I um, know. I know. It's, uh, it's, um, we literally sometimes will talk for a half hour or more before the episode, um, it, just kind of catching up and personal stuff. And this time we spoke for three minutes. And uh, so. Yeah, it's been a while. But there are some things going on in the aviation world that we can talk about. Uh, Again? Again? Yeah, no, there's a couple things. And there's been a few things that have been kind of lurking on the list for a while that uh, I I, I, I was hoping we get a chance to talk about. Um, That that airliner pre- we have yeah. list lurkers now. Yeah, that I, we do have list. Well, I don't know. We hit it again. Uh, that was funny because about a month ago, uh, an item appeared on the list out of nowhere. All right, uh, that not not one of the three of us put on there, and uh, and it was actually uh, it, it had listed as the poster um, a, a person by the first name of Brent. Brent, hi Brent, how you doing? Um, because Brent had discovered how to get to the list, um, and uh, and the list has minimal security on it um, because it's really not that important, but. Uh, um, but it does have a little bit of security, and Brent figured it out and uh, added an item to the list, and then we changed the security. So it's been a little while. Uh, I'm not sure if we even talked about Brent's item. I don't know. Brent, send us an email. Well, I, I, I kind of think maybe you leave this in or not. I kind of make think that maybe hacking the list kind of disqualifies him <laughs> well either that or either that or it's a you know you know uh, a loyal listener i you know I'm, i was torn on the whole subject quite frankly yes both of those things jeb uh it's like no no don't reward this you know on the other hand all right they like us they really like us um last episode <laughs> never excuse me yeah i didn't mute either pop culture reference yeah, uh yes, yes. Uh, last episode, we talked about the possibility that, let's see now, what was the story? The that, story that was... Textron was getting ready to try maybe to buy some right. part of Bombardier. Right. Um, and we thought we knew what was going on. And David, maybe we didn't quite have the story right. What, what's the, what is the story, David? Well, that was the story. That was uh, the story, yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, dis- the, uh, the story was going around multiple publications that there that uh, uh, Bombardier was uh, looking to trim its uh, debt, basically. Right. And looking at selling off the uh, business jet lines, uh, Challenger, Learjet, Global. Uh, and, uh, well, the exact opposite happened. Uh, they're keeping the business jet business. That's going to be their only business because they are cutting a deal to sell their uh, rail car production uh, company and going to be getting out of rail cars, passenger cars, subway cars, stuff that they've been involved in for decades. And they're going to concentrate solely on business aviation aircraft. And right. That's kind so is of a it shock. Textron? Is it Textron that's thinking about buying the uh, railroad business? Or? No. Because <laughs> that was the story we thought we heard last time, was that Textron was considering buying the airline part of Bombardier. Well, there were there were a lot no, of no, 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 that wasn't it. They were going to buy um, the business aircraft, right? Well, part okay. of of Bombardier, oh, not the right. commercial aircraft. And it's that some of that was some of that uh, angle emerged out of uh, what they might call deductive reasoning. Who out there would be the best fit for the bulk of the Bombardier product line? And Textron came up as uh, the most likely candidate, uh, as long as you allowed for the fact that they probably won't keep the Learjets because they have small citations that compete in that market. And they would definitely want to keep the Globals because they don't have anything in that size range. And they've started to get into the territory uh, uh, that kind of parallels the uh, – 
challenger line and everybody was wrong yeah. uh, that's not the way it turned out uh, and no jokes about them being railroaded into a deal they didn't want <laughs> okay. well maybe maybe a joke or two about Textron's willingness to eliminate competition yeah um um I don't know unless unless they just were having a big money problem I kind of wonder why they didn't grab that deal but that's just me right okay so the answer is yes and no it depends is the answer the, an- right? uh, the answer is always it depends is, is it always depends that's it always right. depends okay all right and we're not talking about an adult diaper <laughs> that's thank you david <laughs> Thanks for keeping it on a high level. Uh, so, uh, um, speaking of keeping it on a high level, Congress is at work. Um, and uh, <laughs> what the, are they smoking now? Well, I don't know about smoking, but um, so uh, last episode we talked a little bit about the helicopter crash um, in California that killed Kobe Bryant and eight others. Um, and now um, a, a, a Congressional representative from California has introduced legislation. I'm reading here now from an AIN online story. So this is everything I know. Introduce legislation to mandate terrain awareness and warning systems on all helicopters. And and this may or may not be a good thing to add to helicopters. All right. My question is, based on anything that we know now, would this have made any difference in the California crash? I, it doesn't seem to me that it would have. But uh, Only know. from the standpoint that um the helicopter collided with terrain um newsflash most accidents involve colliding with terrain <laughs> right and and this was not what's the word um um see fit see fit controlled controlled flight into terrain right this, this was, was not this C-fit. was not which is what h taws is is really kind of sort of designed to prevent yeah. right. um now all of that having been said, there's a there's been no probable cause finding by the NTSB, so Correct. we don't know. We research don't. continues, investigation continues. Secondly, um, the evidence shows that the pilot intentionally uh, climbed into the clouds uh, and in seek trying to get on top of a low cloud layer and did not succeed somehow for some reason lost control and the aircraft crashed out of control right that's that's what i'm seeing of the evidence uh, at least so far the preliminary 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 evidence suggests that so um that has no bearing whatsoever on uh helicopter terrain avoidance and warning systems and And that's that's pilot error underscored bolded italicized yeah right david go ahead well in the uh the um, work done by the uh, ntsb investigators so far has already confirmed things like control system integrity uh prior to the crash everything was connected and working that the engine was making power all the way to the ground uh the avionics were working as they were supposed to from what they can determine after the fire right. and the fire right. was massive uh so that you know in the uh in in the spirit of i'm going to do something even if it's wrong uh occasionally members of congress uh, pop up uh, like whacking whack-a-mole candidates and say oh we need to do this we need congress to make a rule to force them to do this and that that has a pretty spotty track record of actually having the desired effect. Yeah. Uh, as, as we saw with the 1,500-hour uh, requirement to sit right seat as a first officer in an airline and commercial flights, it, it actually starved the market for uh, candidates for those jobs because 250 hours had been the standard before. And uh, didn't well, the, the, and, flip, and the, the, the flip side of that, before you go too much further, is that there have been no Part 121 accidents in the United States uh, since they changed that rule. That's so true. Yeah. that was the intent, and it looks like that intent has been as successful as it possibly could be. So it kind of depends on, on where you're looking at it from. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, that's all I have to say on that. Okay. All right. All right. Well, um, so, oh, yeah, I know what I was going to say. Yeah. Looking at this guy's profile, uh, he's from the L.A. Basin. Uh, he represents, yeah. I think, Thousand Oaks is in that general area. The congressman who proposed this yeah, and, yep. and, you know, all politics is local. He's just doing what his constituents would want him to do. Yeah. The bill's not going to go anywhere. Okay. Um, it, the the, the, uh, the helicopter was, uh, but it had been around for some years. I, uh, I'm trying to remember what year it was. Um, it was a 91? Yeah. I think it, was, I think it was a 91. It's a shame we don't have some way to look it up. Yeah, right. Yeah. But the, so. there's, there's been a lot of changes in avionics and helicopter flight decks and engine control systems uh, for helicopters and fixed wing, both in all those years. Uh, what we don't know for sure from what we've read is whether the uh, – pilot had the benefit of any kind of terrain awareness uh uh, uh hardware yeah uh, i believe it had a uh, uh radar altimeter which would have helped him for the last 2500 feet seeing the ground rush up at him uh but the uh the the, the avenues for terrain awareness and terrain avoidance are so much more uh, available today, and so much many of them are so much less expensive. I mean, you can get terrain alerting uh, in some of the electronic flight bags that are floating around out there, and it may not be anything more dramatic than the terrain changing color as you get closer to it. Mm-hmm. But once you learn to use that, uh, that's a that's a pretty good and pretty eye opening uh, uh, little feature. Uh, I had a, a GPS years ago, uh, color five inch screen mounted on the yoke, uh, and it did that. Uh, the terrain changed colors as the aircraft got closer to the terrain, and uh, once I got used to it and learned the uh, the the uh, code, the legend, if you will, uh, I. Uh, was always fairly aware of my proximity to the terrain, like going through the mountains down in the southwest on my way to an airport or in the northwest into an airport that's in a valley 13,000 feet lower than I am. Uh, well, you could see the mountains that I'm crossing go from green to yellow to red as I went over them at 500 feet, and then I got on the other side and they changed back to their normal colors. And then the valley was, you know, nice and easy green. And the system knew that I was in the airport pattern when I uh, set up. So it didn't give me a terrain alert or uh, change colors when I was just coming in on final. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's a lot of tools out there that don't require bars to use, to own, to use. We've got ADS-B in now that uh, has some pretty interesting features. Right. Uh, It's hard. It's all changed a lot since that helicopter was built, and maybe it was up to date. Maybe it wasn't. I haven't seen the uh, details on what the avionics stack was like in it. Uh, we haven't but seen it. As far as I know, we haven't seen an equipment list on the airplane. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. Well, we we talked about this six days ago, so we should probably not belabor it too much today. We'll we'll come back to it, I'm sure, when NTSB tells us more. Um. Excuse me. Uh, uh, See, so still had that cough from last week. <clears throat> I might have cut that out. I'm not sure. Have you been to China with, lately? Have I been to what? China. No, no. When I first got sick with this, though, that crossed my mind. Um, let's have you been now. to a Chinese restaurant? Yeah. Uh, ooh, no, no. Because <laughs> uh, according to a couple of my neighbors, they're not going to Chinese restaurants until this is over. Oh, okay. man. It's that's a little just, bit that's extreme. Just, I'm yeah, trying to decide whether I'm being that, alarmist that is, by wearing. Yeah, yeah. we'll take they're, that. They're not the brightest people. Next right. Friday, I go to Las Vegas. I'm trying to decide if I want to be nervous about that. I'm probably not going to be nervous about it. Um, moving the on. wallets here. The thing you should be most worried about. <laughs> no, I've gotten pretty good. I'm pretty immune to Las Vegas' charms these days. So uh, having said that, I'll probably get in big trouble this year. Yeah, you call me at 3 a.m. I know. I know. For, for, can you bail me out via can remote you send control? Me, send, me, send me some rolls of quarters, please. I need them. <laughs> um, all right. We're really headed off into the weeds now. Here we go. You ready? All right. This is a whole bunch of items that have been kind of lurking on the list for a while that I 
move to the top. Um, and uh, here's the first one. Um, are hovercraft regulated by the FAA? Okay. Now, I'm talking about big hovercraft, like these big passenger things that you occasionally see. I'm not sure if any of these even operate in the United States. Maybe that's an issue. All right. Uh, short answer, it's got two letters, one consonant, and one vowel. Yeah. No. Oh, n- no, there are none in the U.S., or no, they're not regulated as an f- aircraft? They're not regulated, they're not regulated as an aircraft. Why not? Because they never get not, out of ground effect. They're not, they're and, not and aircraft. Is that, is that, oh, wait a minute, hang on. You guys just said two slightly different things, and that's what I wanted to explore here, all right? Um, is it oh, ground effect? Is the, what? <laughs> Never mind. Go ahead. Is it ground effect that is the dividing line, or is there some other definitional difference between the two? Is definitional a word? Um, so, if I had an aircraft, like a somewhat traditional air, air fixed wing airplaney kind of aircraft all right but i only ever flew it in Christ. ground effect all right would i have to kind of like go through the faa thing with that or would that be outside the bounds yes yes i would have all right so even if it doesn't leave ground effect if it's an airplane finger quotes airplane then it's faa regulated yeah Okay, because it's capable of flying outside of ground effect. Not so, to mention how how um, shall we say limiting, both in uh, um, capability and in lifespan, uh, staying in ground effect forever would be. You'd have a hard time going cross country that way. You'd have a hard time making the traffic pattern that way. Wait a minute. There are places We're, that they use these passenger hovercrafts to great effect, um, crossing bodies of water. That's and, why they use it. Yeah, but they use a hovercraft, not an airplane. Well, that was my question. All right. <laughs> All right. So. Um, Give that man the brass ring. So. If I had a drone that never. Well, that's in mind. Obviously, you're not going to work with me on this. So. Well. No. Below what? four below four hundred feet, if that comes to mind with I, respect to drones. It's so clear that that's exactly the rule these days. But maybe I'm 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 not sure what rule it is. Uh, yeah. but that's a, a demarcation. And you know what? I put this on the list so long ago that I'm not exactly sure what was the story that triggered this question, and I didn't make a very good note. But it might have been drone related, and and uh, oh well. Okay. Well. <laughs> I, I saw another way to another way to to ask well, ask the question is look up the definition in FAR one of what an aircraft is, okay, and it's going to be something along the lines of a device designed for navigation in the air. Okay, um, I think you'll find a hovercraft is a device designed for navigation over water. Okay. All right. Well, maybe I'll look it up and we'll talk about it again in the future. I don't know. Um, I saw in this, but the, I, you know, talk about the, whether it's an airplane or not. I, I saw a video just this morning. I was watching this uh, YouTube video about a build team that's located, I believe, in Germany. Um, we, we talked about this on the podcast a bunch of episodes ago about whether anyone has been successfully building a human carrying, quote unquote, drone or multicopter kind of aircraft. Uh-huh. Um, and this outfit in Germany um, actually have a working prototype that they're still re- controlling remotely from the ground, but is big enough and and strong enough and <laughs> big enough and strong enough. Um, there's a joke there to um, pick up to, all of your household spills to care be carried from to carry a human being to carry a, an onboard pilot. Um, and uh, they're, they're, this group is part of a something called what's it called the DCL? It's a drone. It's a basically a drone racing league. And it currently exists. Um, I don't know what you're laughing about because this is going to get pretty serious if it happens. I know, I know. Um, I know. So they they've been in existence for a while now um, as both a virtual league flying in software only. You know, like they have a they have a multi-user um, um, racing league where you go in through PlayStation or or whatnot and fly drones against each other. Um, and then they apparently also have a physical, you know, um, model sized, if you will, small drones that they fly through courses and they want to upgrade this whole thing and to um a human onboard piloted racing drone um that would compete against each other and so this video was all about i'll put a link in the in the notes to this video but the um there was a link to uh, uh they actually have a real flying um uh, multi-copter f- 
ca- aircraft that they've flown successfully, according to the video. Unless this video is totally fake, and I'm I'm inclined to believe this video. Um, yeah. now, where let, where let, is this video? All right, yeah, I know. I really should. Let, right. let, let me let me get this straight. I want to make sure I understand this. Zapbit has built an aircraft capable of carrying a human that they're calling a drone. Who's controlling it? The, the human it's ca- that, that, that it carries or somebody on the ground who's not? At, at this time, the test vehicle is being controlled almost identically to from the ground by a person holding a remote control, just like a reg, a, you know, what we consider um, drones these days. Hang on a second. I'm going to send you this link. Where'd it go here? Uh, um, yeah, this is going to make noise. All right, and share, and this, and copy, and now let's go back to cast, and we're going to send a message, and there's a link, and it should jump you into um, the the sort of the meat of this video. So uh, <clears throat> give you a couple seconds. I may trim this out later on, but uh, if First you're curious, manned aerobatic racing drone. Yeah. Now. Now it's not currently manned. It it has been designed, and they claim that it is capable of carrying the weight of an onboard pilot. Um, right now, they're just they have a mo- they have a, like a, a mannequin or something in there. Um, but uh, so uh, and and so this is all by a long way around to get to how is this thing going to be regulated? All right, and because um, this is not even any longer a, a, a you know a, a UAV. This is a this is an aircraft, which I guess they're probably already thinking about because they're talking about these uh, passenger carrying, quote unquote, drones. But uh, anyways, have you had a chance well, to look at this? I, you see what I'm, I'm, talking I'm about looking here? at this, and I um. What is buzzing around it? Is that that's another? Oh, that's a that's a, ra- a tr- more traditional that's, that's drone. The chase chase, dr- that's the chase drone. That's the chase drone. Yeah, that's taking pictures of it. They do that all the time. That's very common. <sighs> I'm getting yeah. too old for this. So um, uh, yeah, so I you know, um, we, we don't we're we're not yeah. experts in in drone regulation, so yeah. I don't know how how this is supposed to be regulated. It strikes me that um, the FAA will not certify it for carrying passengers without some additional tests. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, this is like I said, this is Europe. So just the and and, if or, you, and if you, if you, is certainly not going to. Yeah, uh, the uh, the build team is apparently based in Germany, and the earlier parts of this video I just sent you show them trying to test it. Um, indoors, they're in a monster hangar, um, and in order to fly it outdoors, like you're seeing in that part of the video, they actually had to travel to, I believe, what they said was Croatia, where they got permission, and they're actually flying out of a, a, re- a regular airplane airport, um, and uh, uh, but they had to go to a whole other country that even Germany wouldn't. I don't know what that means. Exactly, <laughs> oh, that's a runway. I thought that was the shortest interstate in the world. Yeah, no, no, that's a real airport. That's I mean, if you watch Autobahn, the whole video. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a GA airport in, I believe. It's Croatia. Um, yeah, and, the runway three six numbers kind of give it away. Yeah, and uh, and they really fly this. Th- I mean, again, I, assuming this is not a fake video and it appear it feels genuine, um, they've made some breakthroughs here in terms of uh, uh, large size and and you know and controllability and and uh, anyways. Okay, I don't know. This is you know, and poor our poor listeners. This is something that's totally visual. Exactly. I, I, exactly. You know, I don't know how much I've edited well, this when you're actually hearing it, but uh, let, let me repeat what. Our learned colleague already said. Yeah, read far one. Okay, all right, read far one. Maybe that's that's maybe that's the title. Uh, into the weeds. Now, this is actually not so much into the weeds. This is actually an interesting question. I got a question from mm-hmm. a listener. A listener um, asked me um, for asked for us to weigh in, and this is really more you guys because I'm not really that knowledgeable at this. Asked for you guys to weigh in on the question of what's a he, he, so he's he's a he's an avid 172 pilot um, who is outgrowing or is basically already outgrown his 172, and so he's been thinking for some time now about getting um, a larger um, 210 was probably not going to work for him because um, of insurance things and just general cost. He had kind of started focusing on a 206, and he was looking around at 206, all right, 
and then what happened was his family got two dogs all right uh and he's got him and his wife and they have two children and the family loves to go flying with him but the 172 is not big enough to carry them all on and full fuel so he wants a bigger airplane but now with two dogs even the 206 he feels like isn't going to be adequate and so he's wondering what's the next bigger thing or maybe another way to put it is what's the the smallest six-seater I don't know. You get the nature of the question? Yeah. What should he, he be He doesn't at? have very many choices. First of all, Cessna did make a 207, which yeah. has, I think, uh, eight seats. Um, and, of course, they make the 208, which is the caravan. Yeah. He actually fantasizes about that, but yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. right. So those are kind of your limits. Now, Piper has made for years the Cherokee 6. And it seats six, but it also has a, a slightly, you know, everything's relative, slightly larger cabin yeah. than the uh, 206 would have, or mm-hmm. the 210 for that matter. Um, so that's something to look at. It sounds kind of like a high wing guy, Jack. Um, so, you know, maybe that's not a, a player. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure there's the Australian um, utility plane, the gap or something, uh, that I know the, the CAP here in, in the U.S. has bought some examples of, uh, I want to say gap 10, but that's, that can't be right. Um, uh, is a, and, and, Gibbs Airvan? That's it. Gibbs Airvan. Um, that, that and, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. That and, um, isn't there a uh, either low production or experimental large cabin um, utility plane, uh, bush plane, something like that, Dave? There used to be, it came from a kit company down in Florida, and uh, they made several. And one of them was a, 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 about the size of an eight-seater, uh-huh. and, uh, but the... the uh, if you if you Google six seat piston aircraft, you you get a little list that starts with the Cessna two hundred six, uh-huh. the Piper six, which is I think now called the six X, yeah, uh, the Beechcraft A thirty six. That was my next mention, yeah. Uh, which in reality is as a four plus two, and well, they're all four plus not twos. really bigger yeah. than the, yeah. the two hundred six. Yeah. Now, uh, as I understood, he had he had he has four humans and two dogs correct yeah well you know a six a six place airplane would be sufficient for that yeah i think what he's you know again i don't know if he's a high wing guy or not but i would look strongly at the cherokee six Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You can get a used one. <clears throat> I'm, I don't know how much the used ones go for, but you can also get it in. They come in either 260 or 300 horsepower versions. Uh, the older ones, uh, they haven't made a 260 in that, and I don't know when. Um, but it's got plenty of cabin space. It's not all that fast, uh, especially for the fuel consumption compared to the 210 or even the 206, or certainly the A36. Um, but um, they also come in, in retractable versions if you're, you know, looking for a step up thing. The uh, the A36 would probably not be in the cards for this guy because um, he says he doesn't have that much experience in it, and uh, kind of concerned about insurance costs for a retractable. Mm-hmm. You could also take a look at another Piper. That's a six-place aircraft that has a good cabin volume, uh, and that's the Malibu and the Mirage. Yeah, uh, yeah. both pressurized piston singles. Uh, there is a non-pressurized version, or I think it's an M. I mean, like yeah. in the M line, they call it the M three fifty. Yeah, there is an unpressurized version. <clears throat> the only trick with those airplanes, as I understand it, early ones may have. Uh, it, you can't put you know you can really only you know, let's, let's put it this way might have some some limited uh, weight carrying capabilities with yeah. full fuel um mm-hmm. you i don't know uh, malibu as i under as i understand it, is really a two-person airplane with with full fuel but uh i've never flown one so who knows mm-hmm. okay all right. Well, that gives him that gives him a whole bunch of um, of uh, of ideas, things to pursue. Um, and uh, Malibu report- is yeah. also retractable. So there you go. 
Okay. I'll report back on, yeah. uh, on, uh, on how this goes, but, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, before long though, we're starting to talk, you know, twin beaches and, and, uh, pressurized Navajos and, and all kinds of ways to spend his money. So. Yeah. Well, you know, okay. Yeah. You never know. You never, you never know. know. Yeah. Uh, when I was in Florida a month ago, um, and I drove from Miami to, uh, to uh, Hidden River, um, I, I think I mentioned uh, at, on on some episode somewhere along the line. I mentioned that instead of taking the interstate across um, Florida, I took what is it forty one the 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 older sort of quote unquote local road across um, the 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 Everglades there, um, and about uh-huh. half. About alligator, half, alligator Alley. Yeah. And about halfway across um, the state, I'm just motoring along there on the highway, and I suddenly see uh, uh, signs pointing to an airport um, right there in the middle of nowhere. I mean, what's kind of basically the middle of nowhere. You're like out, you know, the only thing you're seeing out there is various tourist attractions for jet, for airboats and alligators and whatnot. And suddenly there's a reference to an airport, and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And I made a note to look it up, and I did. And it turns out that it's this Dade Collier training and transition airport i gave you guys a link to the wikipedia entry for it all right um and i i are jeb you're more of a florida guy but david are, are either one of you familiar with this airport i think it's kind of interesting um it is from what i've read um a public airport that is there and and you could go and and land um there's like basically nothing there but a runway and a ramp as near as i can tell um and access to route 41 um it was according to wikipedia it was it was created way back in the 60s as the starting point for what they wanted to be this sort of monster South Florida jet port. All right. Uh, Wikipedia says they were calling it the Everglades jet port. And it was going to be like this monster mega airport that was going to serve both the east and west coasts. coasts and they were going to have like monorails that went both ways. And it was just going to be this thing. All right. And for one reason or another, it just kind of stalled and didn't go anywhere but it didn't they didn't you know mothball it It, the runway is still there um the ramp is still there uh it's a pretty long runway as i recall i remember looking it up let's see if it says it here um but uh and i i think i read someplace that uh airlines use it for training uh, as a training runway and um uh, it, it just seems interesting well, to me. Uh, at 10,499 yeah. feet for 927, uh, yeah, that'd be a good one to go train at for uh, anything from a cub up. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you great, could even train You could even train on Concord out of that one. It'd be a great runway to have an engine failure over. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. 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 So, uh, or to do your three touch and goes without ever leaving the airport perimeter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Would that count? Yeah. I don't know how that works. Well, exactly. maybe, it, it, maybe if you just called it a hovercraft, it would work. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, hang on a second, though, David. You just said something. I think you were joking around. Three touch and goes don't count, right? Um, For daytime, they yeah. do. Yeah, they do. Uh, on what? I'm sorry. For daytime. Again, for daytime VFR, three touch and goes count as currency. I yeah. at night you have to have full, to a full stop. And conventional oh, it's gear is a full stop. And okay. conventional gear airplanes, you have to have them to a full stop. I'm sorry, what kind of aircraft? Conventional gear tail draggers. Huh. Okay. I, I believe you. I, I was under the impression that the rule was that every GA, like me and my 172, I needed three f- full stops. From Airline pilots need, need you know, it's not three stop, full stops. Um, it's three touch and goes, day VFR. Huh. Okay. For, four day VFR, I should For say. Day, yeah, right. And that's Your what? touch and goes can be at night. Right. Yeah, but no, they, I get it. But they only have to be touch and goes. No, I get it. Full I, I stops actually, also count. By I was way. under the impression that I maybe it's my club. Actually, now that I stop and think about it, maybe it's okay. a club rule, and that's what I'm thinking of. Um, and uh, because I went way out of my way to get three full stops to give you current recently, and uh, so if this is a club rule and you don't follow the rule, do they club you? Yeah, <laughs> worse, they won't let me use the airplane. Please club me. Just let me use the airplane. Um, so, anyways, all right. Well, so Jeb, I want to go to this airport. I okay, go, we should go, like, go land there and just maybe that's episode five hundred. Ten taxi around. 
<laughs> and taxi around. Do our do three touch and goes. Um, boom, boom, boom. I don't know. Uh, Maybe that's episode 500. Is that what that's what I mean. Yeah, right. Maybe that's episode 500. Go nowhere. Let's go nowhere um, and have a good time doing it. I don't know. Anyways, all right. Well, that's the Dade Collier Training and Transition Airport in the middle. Of I like the how the, the the Training and Transition Airport's identifier is TNT. I had noticed that. Isn't, isn't that great? Cool. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, they have an instrument approach. Oh. An RNAV GPS. What, wait, what sort? Huh? Not an, an ILS? Well, I don't know if it has a glide slope. Let me look at it. It's not an ILS because it's an RNAV GPS approach. Okay. Uh, it does have LPV, so it's basically better than an ILS. Yeah. And that th- th- those were easy easy to do and cheap because th- neither one of them requires much in the way of ground infrastructure. Yeah. Well, that was my the, question. The, the, the LPV would require some lighting for night work, mm-hmm. but it appears that there's nothing else at this airport. Yeah, I think okay. that's true. I yeah. think I, I, there's no other pages and there's no businesses listed. So you couldn't even fly in and get a uh, an RC cola out of the out of the uh, um, and nobody there to machine. sign your logbook if you're doing no your one three. there to sign your logbook. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's true. I that's think it's got to like- suck the big one. <laughs> I don't know about that, but all right. Uh, so, but um, it looks like so you, if you're saying that if you land in an airport and there's no one there to see it, it didn't happen. Well, there's that, but if you land, you know, you got to have a Coke machine. Come on, guys. Uh, okay. uh, I, I stopped this this hole in the wall airport in Georgia last year on my way back from uh, Oshkosh because they had the cheapest gas in the area. And I, whatever. So I get in. It's I don't know what what day did I leave? I, did I come home Friday or Saturday? Something like that. Uh, yeah. Something like that. So it's maybe seven o'clock local time in the summer um, in South Georgia, and place is basically locked up tight. Um, the Wi-Fi is on. There's a there's a note on the front door as to you know how do you how to use aviation knowledge to put in the the wi-fi password oh, really? you walk okay. around you walk yeah. around the back side of the of the uh of the terminal it's a, i call it a terminal building it was an fbo um and they've got an unlocked door that leads you into a small room with a bathroom okay and a coke machine well, there you go. What else okay. do you need? Okay. And, but there was no, there wasn't another human probably within, I don't know, half a mile. Yeah. Except okay. for the people driving by on the road outside. So maybe this is a business opportunity. Maybe we should like set up a, f- a food truck on Saturday morning. We should put an at ATM the, and a food truck on that on TNT. that airport. Yeah. At the TNT. So, at the TNT. Jeb, were you able to get fuel out of this airport? Oh, Absolutely. Okay. Uh, self service. Self serve. Okay. Um, and yep. again, the cheapest around. The self serve is available twenty four seven. I suppose the the bathroom and the coke machine are available twenty four seven. Right. Now, were you there daylight or or after? It was, this was daylight. It was again seven p.m. in the summertime. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. anyways, there you go. Yeah. All but, right. And, th- and th- apparently, this TNT doesn't even have that. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, it's the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Okay. Just watch out for the anacondas. Uh, yeah, uh, and whatever else. I know. Well, huh? yeah. Um, bring your snake repellent. Exactly. Because there is no such thing. But never yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Okay. All right. That's enough in the weeds for this week. Uh, uh, we'll- <laughs> oh, I wanted to get back into hovercraft. Yeah, okay. Well, all right. Maybe one of these days. Um, and I brought all this weed killer. No, 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 dangerous joking area. Um, sh- uh, shout outs. What do we got here? Anybody got anything? Uh, they're all, they all have David's name on them. Um, I'll take the Alton Bay Ice Runway one. Um, uh, condolences to, uh, to the, uh, to my New Hampshire or New England aviation winter flying fans, um, who this year will be unable to log their takeoff and landing or landing and takeoff from, uh, from the, uh, 
the legendary Alton Bay Ice Runway. Um, this is a uh, airport or, or a runway rather that gets clear. That's actually charted. It's a real FAA registered or whatever it is they do it um, airport um, that exists only in the middle of the winter. Um, that is on out on the ice of uh, what's called Alton Bay. It's a part of Lake Winnipesaukee, the biggest lake here in New Hampshire, and. Uh, but uh, in recent years, about one in five or six years, um, what with the climate changing and all, um, it doesn't get cold enough for long enough. Um, and uh, they uh, this year is one of them where the ice has not gotten thick enough for them to judge it as safe for, I guess, for starters, for the plow trucks to go out and plow the runway. So uh, no, no landings and takeoffs at uh, Alton Bay Ice Runway this year, which is too bad. Um, I did it once a bunch of years ago. Um, um, with uh, with my buddy from uh, with the uh, uh, cub on skis, that was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, not this year. Next year, oh well. Okay. Uh, other shoutouts. What do you guys got? Anything? Uh, Jeb, go ahead. Um, take, take one to the list if you want. Well, let me. You can pause this later. Oh yeah, the pre-purchase inspection. We should um, we should Let's talk, save that one. We should talk about that one. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd like to. I want to talk about that, but we're running out of time. So yeah, let's um, save that one. I got nothing as a reasonable answer. I got nothing. I got nothing. Not not for a shout out, <laughs> David. Wrap it up. What do we got? Uh, well, uh, the Aircraft Electronics Association reported uh, here in the last few days uh, what avionics sales were in 2019, and uh, they were booming. Uh, 2019 totals over $3 billion in avionics sales, $1.6 billion of them in retrofit. Uh-huh. And this is like I, a, I, yeah, and at, at one point three, and then changed and forward fit. That's what goes into new aircraft. And I look at that retrofit number and how it's grown in the last two or three years. And got to give credit to the equipment mandates that we've been dealing with since uh, forever. Uh, ADSB, which is now required, uh, in the end of them, there's other mandates for other kinds of aircraft, uh, uh, controller pilot data link, and some other stuff, and particularly for flying internationally. So, over three billion in avionics sales. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what it's like this year when there's no ADSB mandate to fulfill. Uh, but that's all good news for the avionics makers and the avionics shops and the technicians that do the work and for all the pilots that have been upgrading their stacks to uh, improve their uh, utility and, and situational awareness. So uh, way to go, guys. Yeah, yeah. If you're in the avionics uh, sales, service, and installation business and you haven't been making money, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, right. Yeah. But uh, well, like David says, we'll see whether that sticks because. Well, I, yeah. I think it will because, you know, there's a lot of airplanes out there that still don't have ADSB. Yeah. Uh, right. A. B. But it's not half. It's like not a big well, percentage. Is half it? of mine don't have ADSB. How's that? Well, okay. All right. <laughs> special case. But all right. Yes. Yeah, point is a data case. point. Yeah. All right. But all right. Uh, A. Well, the, but B, there's a, you know, a lot of interesting toys that keep coming on the market. And they're not that expensive. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Up- upgrades are easier than they used than ever, really, because so much stuff talks to so much other stuff, uh, and you get a way more bang for your buck. Um, you know, I remember um, my airplane when it I was when I first bought it. It had two KX one seventies in it, and David, you know what I'm talking about, Jack. Yeah. Um, these are just um, bone anchor yep. radios that that sure. have drums for channel selection, not LEDs or or, or right. uh, glass panels or anything like that. And I switched out one of them for a KX one fifty five. And I thought that was about the epitome mm-hmm. of of light airplane communications gear at the time. It was the bee's knees. It was the yeah, bee's to that knees. That one seventy b. Yeah, and um, 
I, I was special because I kept the one that had the ILS and uh, bought another, the KX-155 had an ILS, so I had redundancy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, All right. Well, so yeah, good. They, so, they, uh, we've come, some part we've of come, PA is booming. Huh? Yeah, we've just come so far with avionics products in, in just that 20 years. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for perspective, the 2019 numbers were up 10.2% from 2018. Wow. 2018 was just a boomer. Uh, sales went up over 2017 and, uh, in 18 by 17.3%. Uh that's that's a boatload of growth. Well, maybe uh, we should mandate helicopter taws then, you know? Ooh, yeah. Okay. Ooh, yeah. All right, there we go. Because all 12 helicopters in the country need need these things. There's a few more a than 12. About how the, yeah, okay, never mind. There's not a lot of helicopters in the country, it turns out. <sighs> there are not a lot of helicopters in the country, but they are utilized more than that could comparable be fixed right. wing, yeah. wing aircraft okay. story for another day subject for another episode uh i think that's it for time more, oh. one more little shout out okay go ahead quick and dirty uh a lot of people know john manette's uh home-built designs from the years when the airplanes that he made were single seat and two seat tandem uh formula one style racers the sonari he also made a sailplane called the monari and a arv called the mone uh now known for the YX and the Sonex and the uh, Xenos uh, motor glider uh, uh, and the uh, 1X, the single-seater. Well, the Sonari is coming back. Uh, Sonex aircraft is uh, bringing back the uh, Sonari racer. Uh, apparently, interest in building it. And demand is uh, really sparked them to uh, dive into it. So uh, that should make a lot of guys happy who who are interested in building a, a, a steel tube and uh, fabric covered aircraft that can go like spit on a Volkswagen engine. Like, and that's it for me. Oh, really? So spit on a Volkswagen engine is a oh, mind, there's a bad joke in there. <laughs> Weird. Care, careful, you might get shocked. Yeah, I know, huh? All right. Now I think it's fork time. Fork time now? Fork time. Fork time. Thank you, guys. It's always fun. Uh, I appreciate your uh, uh, getting up uh, uh, early on a, on, a, on a Wednesday morning, so soon after the last time we talked. But uh, um, go figure. We found something to talk about. Anyways, uh, thank you, uh, Jeb. Jeb Burnside uh, is a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief for Aviation Safety Magazine. What have you been working on, Jeb? Uh, well, getting geared up for the April issue of aviation safety uh, looking at uh, a piece from uh, our uh, one, one of my uh, contributors on who happens to be an air traffic controller uh, looking at um, a couple of pieces uh, on uh, some other stuff of, of interest for example uh, where does it say that in the fars and is that really what it says Mm-hmm. Things like that. So we're 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 gearing up to, for another masterpiece, and uh, uh, that's what I've been up to. The airplane's working. Cool. Uh, a bunch yep. of other stuff is has been tamped down. So uh, uh, you broken your lawnmower again yet? No, but I got both of them. I got both of them working now. I, I know. Yeah, we you you, you, you were there when when we fixed the, that one of them. Uh, but it's even it dialed it up a little bit more, actually, literally. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. So it's it's doing fine. Uh, Turbocharged now, huh? Yeah, not quite turbo. But uh, we we're gonna we're gonna stroke it out. How's that? <laughs> oh, cool! I like it. All yeah, right then. Yeah. Uh, where can people find out about you and all your various projects on the internet? Uh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you really, really did, uh, the Twitter machine is a good place to start, which is uh, Burnside or at Burnside J. Um, you can um, read stuff I've written at, at AviationSafetyMagazine.com. You can also find me on uh, AEA.net for work I've done for the Aircraft Electronics Association, which I'll be attending their uh, their annual meeting next month. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's uh, there's all that. There's AvWeb. There's GeneralAviationNews.com. And there's AIN Online. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, and uh, Dave Higdon. Dave is an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's App Buyer Magazine. David, what have you been working on? Everything. Yeah, I know. Give me one example, please. Uh... I'm trying to find it now. 
one of my magazines stopped putting the name of writers in the contents page, which means I can't just look at the contents page and go, oh, That's yeah, okay. I did that. Yeah, well, but they're paying you more as a result, right? <laughs> they're saving ink. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, well, as I said to someone recently, David, um, um, I got nothing's a fine answer. Don't make me come up there. <laughs> David, where, when, when, when these things are happening, where can people find out about them on the Internet? Oh, they can find me at uh, AEA.net for avionics news, avbuyer.com for my business aviation work for Avbuyer Magazine in London. Uh, I'm real Higdon on the Twitter machine. Uh, oh, here it is. <laughs> no, I didn't think we were going to get away, that, Jeb. All right. Uh, nice what do you try, got, David? Uh, what was it? Quickly. Uh, how to match a helicopter to the mission need. Uh uh, it, I, I provided some thoughts, according to the uh, uh, intro. Uh, but that's in the uh, uh, February F. Buyer magazine, uh, in, in better FBOs everywhere right now. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Um, I've been home for a while, just kind of like enjoying winter. That's enjoying was in finger quotes there um <laughs> and uh, uh uh trying to work on episodes of the podcast and a few other projects uh i uh, getting ready to uh, head off uh before the next episode um i'm heading to las vegas for a week uh which is always fun um and uh, i'll be out there for a little while and uh and then back home just prior to heading south for sun and fun so uh gearing up for a, a, an interesting end of uh end of winter early spring here um you can uh, learn more about me uh, most places online by the username Jack Hodgson that's my first and last name just kind of bumped together for example YouTube slash Jack Hodgson Twitter slash Jack Hodgson Patreon slash Jack Hodgson <coughs> on Amazon you can search for my ebooks by searching uh, for around the field in the books section and you can sign up for my email newsletter um, at jackhodgson.com uh, and of course uh, uncontrolled airspace is uh, is available online you can go to our uh, homepage which is unconfirmed uncontrolled <laughs> only been doing this for 14 uh, it's, years. it's very confirmed by now isn't it Unco- no 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 it's still up for grabs anything's possible uh, uncontrolledairspace.com um, and on Twitter uh, we are class G airspace that's class letter G airspace uh, on on Twitter um, and you can support this podcast by coming becoming a patron for as little as one dollar per episode um, reward level patrons uh, get uh, exclusive access to the occasional UCAP after shows. Uh, you can get more about this at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. Uh, send us email at podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com and check out the latest UCAP news and all of the UCAP show notes at the UCAP homepage uncontrolledairspace.com. Uh, David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Well, as everybody knows, we ain't getting any younger, but the way to get older is to go fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. But you knew that. Bye-bye. And UCAP 500 is T-minus 6 and counting. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. And remember that flying is not dangerous. Crash it. That's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs>